This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you very much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 19. This episode features Riley Mulherker, who's been recognized as a smart young trumpet player by the New York Times and referred to by the Wall Street Journal as a youngster to keep an eye on. He's the founding member of the Westerlies, a brass quartet. Um, He is the artistic director of Joy and Aiken. He's worked with Wynton Marsalis, Dee Dee Bridgewater, Alan Cumming, Anna DeVere Smith. Um, He's a graduate of Juilliard, a regular in the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, and he has a show playing this month at the Public Theater and the Carlisle with Alan Cumming, cabaret show. I'm really hoping I can get in to see that. Um, he is also from Seattle, and as it turned turns out, grew up very close to me in Mount Baker, Seattle. I met him through Aaron Walker Loud, who threw the show at New Blue with his group Big World Breaks, the tag team episode. There were four people. There was Jermani Smith, Elizabeth Pupo Walker, Aaron Walker Loud, and Riley Mulherker. Quick note before we get started, if you're in the New York area, my band, I Am The Third, is playing this Saturday, June 9th at Coney Island at Steeplechase Beer Garden. Um, we're playing at about 6 o'clock. There's a bunch of pan- bands playing throughout the day. It starts at 3. We're at 6. There's a couple bands after us. It's always a good time. We do this every year. It's organized by Jerry Farley, who will be on this show soon. But right now... Let's get to this show, and instead of my normal transition music, I'm going to use the music from the recording I did of Aaron Walker Loud and Riley Mulherker. So this is Aaron Walker Loud on drums, and today's guest on trumpet, Riley Mulherker. Let's have a conversation. I'm going to check out this globe. Man, you forget how big these oceans are. Yeah, man. Everyone's looking at maps, they need to be looking at globes. So I found out today that you're um, a Seattle cat, but uh, another Garfield High School bulldog as well. Yes, indeed. Um, So are you born and raised Seattle? Born and raised Seattle, yep. I was born in 91 and um, lived there my whole life. Yeah. Down in the Mount Baker neighborhood. Oh, me too, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so Riley Mulherker. Yeah, Mulherker, but Mulherker. close enough. Okay, cool. I mean, for for a first try, that's that's pretty darn close. Well, all right. Um, what part of Mount Baker did you live in? Um, over on Shoreland Drive, like near Mount Baker Beach. One um, of my favorite places, man. Mount yeah. Baker Beach. Yeah, absolutely. I did a uh, lifeguard training there too. No way. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Uh, wow, small world. One time I uh, got a fish f- fish hook stuck in my head, like like me and my brother were fishing, From so- oh. and I tried to show off like some <laughs> like oh this is how you really like cast a line and it yeah, went in your head, went into my head. Oh man, um, it was traumatic. Sounds painful. It was painful. <laughs> um, didn't really injure like uh-huh. like the shock of it was. The shock is greater was than something. the pain. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
Wow. So that was that was a thing. So traumatic experiences in Mount Baker. Yep. (laughs) Um, So when did you start playing the horn? I started playing um, in third grade. So something like 17, 16, 17 years ago. And I started playing actually because, largely because of Garfield High School and all the music programs in Seattle. So my babysitters were students at Garfield, and so they would play, and I would always see their concerts. There used to always be a Garfield concert at the Mount Baker Community Center. I would go to that every year, and I wanted to be like them. So eventually my brother, who was older than me, he started playing in his band program at school, and that's when I convinced my parents to get me a trumpet because my brother was playing as well. So Nice. And was your brother playing trumpet? or He was playing saxophone. Okay. He's a great saxophone player. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go to Garfield. Um, mm-hmm. Did you go to Did you go to Washington? Yeah, Washington Middle School. Okay, I was in the program with Mr. Nat Bob Nat, the legendary, and then Garfield High School with Clarence Acox. Yep. Um, so it's a whole lineage of folks, you know. Yeah. Ten years older than me, ten years younger than me. Well, actually, I guess not quite ten years, but folks eight years younger than me that I still go and teach when I'm in Seattle. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a real lineage to that program. And you're at Juilliard now, right? I was. You were. So I I went to Juilliard after high school. I was there for five years. Um, and then I've been out in the real world for, I guess, as of this week, three years. Okay. Yeah. So I've been in New York for eight years. And I talked to Jumani, uh, recently like i think about a week ago but um i didn't realize so juilliard but like he was in the class i guess in like oh five before that juilliard didn't have a jazz program right he was in i believe the first jazz class at juilliard um by the time i got there it had been going on for a little bit but not too long i remember they had their 10th anniversary celebration my first year so it was a very young program and a very young sort of uh, music in terms of everything else going on in the school. Um, it was jazz and also the historical performance program was brand new as well. Um, but all the other programs, classical music, vocal arts, drama, and dance have been there and have long histories of alumni and yeah. faculty and all that. What's the, you said historical per- her historical performance is it's it's one of the newer programs at Juilliard dealing with like they call it early music so it's music before the classical era a lot of times with period instruments so you know instead of a trumpet you or a trombone you might have something like a broke trumpet or a sackbut or something like that it's like old instruments different tuning but you can get a little bit closer to what it would have sounded like back then and and actually What's really cool about that stuff is that there's a lot of improvisation in it, you know? Yeah. A lot of that music wasn't written down note for note. The performer had to navigate their way through. So I think there's a lot of similarities in in terms of what the jazz musicians do and what the early music players do. Nice. Like as far as improv and that oral tradition. It's like a theme and variation, you know? Now, me and Aaron were talking a little bit um, after the talk we had on here. Um, He was talking about 
is interesting, but like the formal jazz training, a lot of times is very different from like the jazz people. Like when people hear jazz, they think of improv, but like the formal jazz training, like in the academic sense, is very like rigorous and very specific, right? It totally depends on where you end up. So you know, jazz education is so young mm-hmm. as a concept um, that there aren't the types of established curriculums in place that they have for other arts, um, especially for classical music. So depending on where you go to study, um, your experience and in, in your curriculum can be very, can be very different. Um, and most... Juilliard is one of the youngest jazz programs. Uh, New, New England Conservatory in Berkeley and Boston are two of the older programs, but they're still, I think, only about 50 years old, um, if that, maybe less. So so it's just, I think everyone's still figuring it out as an art form. Like, how do we teach it? Uh, how, how can you institutionalize something that is so much a um, something that's passed down generation to generation? And and there definitely are ways to to do that effectively, um, and then there are just as much definitely ways that don't work so much, you know. Um, so, I think the best programs are are the ones that are able to establish the type of um, sort of f- t- uh, student to faculty, mentee to mentor relationships, you know, because that's how folks learn jazz, and so as a Students studying jazz today, you want to find those mentors and find those people you look up to and and try to figure out how they navigate their music and, and their career, and that helps you figure out how you navigate your music and your career. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so what was the experience like going from... Well, first of all, like for me, um, I wish like sometimes that I went to Washington just knowing... like I used to always love the high school... Like Garfield's high school assemblies, because of the jazz program there, I I fucking loved them every mm-hmm. time because the music's so good. I just got to hear you and Aaron play, and it's just like, you know, it takes me back. Um, but uh, like I, I actually the first instrument I ever played was was the horn. Really, uh, my uncle was a jazz player, and my grandfather was a jazz guitar player. All in Seattle, or no? Um, long story with my grandfather, but like he was in Miami. Um, mm. So have you ever heard of the uh, Sam Cooke live at the Harlem Square? I believe it's like an so. Album. Yeah, it's I've heard some. I've heard a lot of live Sam Cooke. So, I so think the Harlem Square, um, actually, it wasn't Harlem in. Like, it wasn't here. Harlem, Harlem. It was Harlem in Overtown, Miami. Like, so it was the Harlem Square Club in mm-hmm. Overtown, Miami. Overtown was like the black neighborhood, mm-hmm. and my dad um, grew up. At the time, it was a thriving black neighborhood. Um, this happened all over the South in particular, um, and, and this happened in Overtown. They built a highway through the middle of the neighborhood, and it absolutely like destroyed Yeah, that the happened. So I was just down in Alabama, yeah. and a lot of the cities down there, Montgomery, mm-hmm. the way that highway was built was no mistake. Yeah, and some of these neighborhoods before that, like this happened in Virginia, um, the way they were before that, like they were thriving. Absolutely. So the Harlem, Affluent black neighborhoods. Yep. Then, yep. Yep. Um, you know, that's, I mean, we're dealing with what's going on right now in the country, like issues. I think as like black and brown people, 
have been aware that um that there are these issues mm-hmm. and have been told we're crazy or that these things or that like, it's the community's fault for yeah that things that, aren't happening yeah economically we, or whatever mm-hmm. but now and then people find out about some things like maybe redlining they know about but then they don't know about constr- like things about like infrastructure and things like that that are yeah. all part of um that system yeah absolutely yep um what for you like so going from because for me being on the outside and again like we can get into this but like i went to a middle school that the year before i went had a music program and then when i got there it didn't what middle school it was noms which i don't know still exists i don't know um it was kind of like alternative hippie Mm-hmm. idea seattle has new those. options <laughs> middle school is what it was called um but uh yeah like if if the program did have a music thing i probably mm-hmm. would have kept playing the horn but middle school i feel like is can be a very important time like to keep playing mm-hmm. um and washington and garfield not having gone through those by the time i got to garfield it felt like too, like I felt too far behind to even sure. want to try to do that at that point. Um, but um, those programs, like, was the school of thought, like with ACOX and what, what's the other teacher from Bob Nat is Bob the middle Nat. school. Um, were those two? Um, did they like work together at all, or like? Yeah, they so they the they knew each other very well. They were like yeah. best friends. It, it was part of a a program. I believe it was the Seattle Public Schools took it on in the 70s, which was to recruit music educators. As far as I know, it was music. It could have been more widely educators in general, but music educators from Louisiana. So both of them came from Louisiana. Um, and I think there were a few others that came up as well, but ACOX and Nat are the ones that lasted and that whose legacies have been so huge. Um, Bob Nat was from... I believe outside of New Orleans. Can't remember exactly where, but um, he went to Grambling State University, which has yeah. one of the most famous marching bands in the country. And then Acox w- was a drummer, um, and he went to Southern University, which is one, the rival to right. Grambling. So that the, they, they always had that thing between them. Um, but so many of the same kids went through their programs that, they were, um, it, it was like one part of one large, uh, what would you call it? Just like a path, you know, mm-hmm. an educational journey to, to be around both of them and to sort of get their musical philosophy imprinted on you from a young age. Yeah. It was, it, it was definitely like a standard of excellence. It was a appreciation of swing, of improvisation, of the blues, um, and so much of uh, about how music is more about uh, the sum of the parts rather right. than one individual player. You know, it was all about the group. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when I got out of Seattle. You meet a lot of players from all over the country, and a lot of their upbringing is much more soloistic, individual, getting awards, getting accolades for them themselves and wherever they are you know no fault of their own they might be in the middle of some place that doesn't have any 
school programs and doesn't have 30 kids that they can be in a band with playing at a high level. So it's all on them. But the way they play music is very different than people who grew up having music be a communal thing. Yeah. It's shockingly noticeable, Mm -hmm. especially in college when you get to college and there are kids from all over the place, you know? So what was the uh, Juilliard um, experience for you like compared to like what you had? You pretty much had eight years you know, of mm-hmm. advanced jazz education with Washington and Garfield, mm-hmm. what was like Juilliard like? Juilliard was, it was, I mean, it's a whole nother intensity. Mm. Uh, there's an intensity on uh, just music education, things like ear training, piano skills, composition training, theory, uh, that sort of stuff that I, I would, had no idea growing up. Um, so, that took a lot of work to wrap my man, mind around all that. And then um, and then Juilliard also just opened the door for a lot of relationships with older jazz musicians. They used to bring so many guest artists through Juilliard, everyone from Herbie Hancock was there one day to, um, you know, I mean, the list goes on. I, I got to study with people like John Faddis and um, Joe Magnarelli and Kenny Barron and... I mean, Hubert Laws came. It's just a long list of people that uh, when you're in Seattle, you wouldn't dream of being able to have conversations with Benny Golson or um, Gerald Wilson, rest in peace. Or they're just a lot of a lot of heroes, you know. Um, So it was more just a continuation of you know diving into the art form and and learning more and more. And so uh, what are you up to these days? So these days I am mostly on the road. I have a ensemble with three of my friends from Seattle. Three of us went to Garfield. One of them went to Roosevelt. And we're called the Westerlies. Um, and we're a brass quartet. They're two trumpets, two trombones. And we write a lot of our own music and tour pretty constantly um and then we also collaborate with another seattle band which is a rock band called fleet foxes and um so we worked with them on their last album and we've been guests with them on some touring this past year so that's sort of been double touring and then when i have a break from all that i do projects at jazzlinga center um a lot of musical direction there for guest artists, things like that. And then um, I also work with an actor and singer, Alan Cumming. Yeah. Um, so we have a, well, he has a, has a new show that he just debuted in Seattle about a week ago. And so I was out there at Benaroy Hall for that. And then I'll be with him what throughout the next shows? year. It's like a cabaret show, but like okay. on a large scale. Yeah. Um, so it's him and a wonderful pianist, by the name of Lance Horn, myself, and a great percussionist, drummer, and cellist. So it's a, it's a small little ragtag team of us, but uh, the shows are a lot of fun. And Nah, that sounds yeah. cool. It's funny. Uh, like, I, like I know of, like I definitely know of him, um, but I forget that he um, sings also. Right, because um, he's an actor, he's on... His his show right now is Instinct on CBS. It just got picked up for a second season, which is great. Um, but 
a he he had he was a huge star on Broadway. Yeah, you know, in cabaret, um, and so he he sings so many different types of songs, and the stories he tells between the whole songs are worth just as much as the songs themselves. He has the best, and uh, is that so? That's yeah. in Seattle. Is that going to be coming to well, New York? Yeah, it, it was just it was touring. So our first show was was in Seattle. Um, and then in June, we're going to be doing 20 shows in 10 days. Um, we'll be at, in New York, at the Carlisle and Joe's Pub. So we'll be, nice. we'll on, we're on like every night at 9 p.m. at the Carlisle and then midnight at Joe's Pub, uh, second half of June. So that's going to be a whirlwind. I want, I'm, um, I'm going to be at one of those yeah, for sure. Um, and then, and then we'll tour I think we're, uh, in the summer around the country. I know Joe's Pub. Um, what's the Carlisle? The Carlisle is, um, it's called the Carlisle Cafe. It's a very sort of like Upper East Side establishment. And um, it's part of a larger hotel that I can't recall the name of. But um, it's a very sort of fancy, swanky sort of place. But they have jazz there often. And um, yeah, so... Come to the Joe's Pub once, because yeah. that'll be midnight. Yeah, it'll yeah, be a yeah. little looser. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah, that sounds... I like Joe's Pub a lot. Cool. Um, cool, man. That's that's awesome. Um, and you also... Um, you also play with the Flood... No, not the Flood. No. That's the old school. Uh, Big World Breaks. Absolutely. That's why we're here today. Big World Breaks. Well, so Big World, Big World Breaks and Aaron Walker Loud. Uh, I, I first met Aaron... When I was in high school, I believe, um, and he, he's a real organizer of of musicians and of music, and um, so we started working together. I would jump in the studio with him on things he was working out, go around town, play different sorts of functions and events, and collaborate with all sorts of different types of musicians: singers, dancers, break dancers, like Massive Monkeys in Seattle. Um, and rappers, hip hop groups, all sorts of things. And uh, we used to do a lot together. And then I moved to New York, went to school, you know how it is. And we really have not gotten to play a lot together. We did get to play a few years ago, must have been two years ago, in Seattle at the Triple Door as part of a fundraising gala for Seattle Jazz Ed, which is a wonderful jazz education institute out there and i think that was the last time we played together but through the years uh we haven't gotten to make a lot of music so it's going to be a fun sort of reunion getting back to uh all the playing we used to do probably like eight seven eight years ago yeah nice um do you have any uh like you're pretty you got a lot on your plate um, but are there other like goals or visions that you have like for, you know, five years, 10 years or just like the future in general? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love to, um, I love, I also love to organize. I love to organize musicians together and present things. And, uh, one of the things I do is I'm an artistic director for, a a, a music festival in South Carolina. It's called the Joy and Aiken Festival. So I'm always trying to build that up, um, bringing all sorts of musicians 
primarily jazz out there. Um, and we've really been building and growing that every year. And then also with my band, The Westerlies, we're starting a festival in Seattle this fall. It's called The Westerlies Fest. And it's going to be jointly um, performances, but also a lot of educational outreach. So we're going to be going into schools, a lot of the schools that maybe don't have the famous music programs, um, introducing them to ideas around improvisation, and then also doing a weekend workshop where we're working with musicians of all genres on all instruments, trying to get them comfortable creating and composing their own music. Um, So... Yeah, a, a, just a lot of organizational things um, that I'm hoping to continue to build into the future. And I think, uh, you know, Aaron is a great um, a, a great ally and a great model for uh, all the all the people he's brought together over the years through his things. And I should say, well, I don't know if this will come out in time, but the um, concert is on Tuesday, May 15th at New Blue um, at... 9 p.m. doors are at 8, I believe. So if anyone's listening, I hope they come. Or if this is afterwards, I hope they were there. Yeah. I think it's this. Yeah. I think it'll be before. I think it's cool. good. Cool. Um, might as well. Yeah. You know, um, I'm looking forward to that one a lot. He explained a little bit more the concept to me. Um, tag team. Yeah. This is one of his creations. So yeah. we're, we're going to. We're going to see how it goes, but it's also with Jamani, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. who's an incredible, incredible trumpet player, a real inspiration for me. Um, and we have worked together in the past, oftentimes with uh, Wynton Marsalis through things at Jazz at Lincoln Center, because um, Jamani's one of Wynton's favorite trumpet players as well. And he's just, we were actually just playing a couple nights ago at Jazz at Lincoln Center together. He's just scary good. Yeah. Just scary good, yeah. And then have you played with uh, Elizabeth Pupo Walker? I have not. I haven't even met her yet, so I'm excited. Yeah. It sounds like she's the one who, like, Aaron was, like, a longtime fan of hers. Cool. But this is, like, the first time he's going to even meet her. Oh, okay. Cool. Which is exciting. Um, And you you guys are practicing tomorrow? Yeah. So Aaron's been cooking up a lot of ideas, a lot of music, and then... um, We'll all join forces, you know, um, put it together and, and see what happens. I imagine there'll be a lot of uh, improvisation and unexpected moments that we won't even know are going to happen until they happen. So that's the magic of, of music right there. Nice. Um, and you're like you get back to Seattle a lot. You're on the road a lot, um, mm-hmm. but you live still live in New York. Probably. I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I do get back to Seattle a lot primarily because uh, this band that I founded with friends of mine from Seattle, we um, we do so much work in Seattle that, uh, and then through That's other... the Westerlies? The or? Westerlies, yeah. And then other random things come up, like uh, the show with Alan was in Seattle. I, I teach a camp at Seattle Jazz Ed in the summertime. Um, so that gets me back there. So... That that cross country flight, I might do that ten, twelve times a year. So yeah. I'm pretty, pretty used to that. Yeah. When I was growing up, there was something called Seattle Center Arts Academy. It was like a summer program. Hmm. Um, sounds similar to the arts. Seattle, yeah, the thing that you said you the camp. 
Yeah. Is yeah. that like a two week thing or like a? Uh, I do a one one week thing. Um, they have a lot of great educational initiatives, and um, uh, I guess a little over a year ago they approached me about creating a curriculum for more advanced students to get into jazz, get into the history of jazz, and approach it um, in a way that could help better prepare them for things like college auditions or studying music past high school. Um, so we call it the Summer Advanced Institute, and we get anywhere from 30 to 40 students for five days. And um, I usually bring out uh, the great drummer Sammy Miller, who's a rising star New York jazz musician, um, and we just get really deep into uh, new old New Orleans jazz, swing era jazz, bebop, free improvisation, free jazz. Like try to cover as wide of a spectrum of the first about fifty, sixty years of jazz evolution, um, and try to give the kids an understanding for the different languages that go with within all of it, and how to listen to jazz, how to read about jazz, um, find primary sources, and everything you do. So yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Nice. Um, so your different projects and everything, um, where's the best place for people to find you and all your all your stuff? Uh, probably just online, um, social media and all that. I have a website, which is www.rileymulherker.com, and then Facebook slash Riley Mulherker, Instagram at Riley Mulherker, Twitter at Riley Mulherker. Um, I try to keep it all updated, you know, when I'm moving around. Um, but yeah, absolutely. That's probably my least favorite part of all of this is the social media mm-hmm. part, but it's like, it's necessary, but <laughs> you know, isn't I, yeah, it's necessary, but also there's nothing like word of mouth. Yeah. Word of mouth is, uh, I always find. And I also feel like, uh, with social media, sometimes it can be a trap. Because it could be a whole wormhole you go down. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, um, the stuff you're actually doing, that's what matters. Yeah, like, you the, gotta the be, music itself. You got to be careful how you're spending your time. Yeah. How much is on, on the social media versus actually, on the actual project that you're exactly. talking about. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, is there uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um. No, I would just uh, give a shout out to Aaron and everyone who's part of the Big World Breaks family, and to you for having me here today and Thank you for um, being here, man. and supporting supporting Big World Breaks and all of its endeavors. And um, yeah, just happy to be here. Cool. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I actually I'm just curious. Uh, so where, where did where did you grow up in Mount Baker? Uh, so I grew up right by um, Franklin, actually, yeah. on Mount on Mount Baker Boulevard. Um, cool. I can't even remember what the in between streets are anymore. So it's not too far there. from, uh, like Baker's Beach Cafe back in the day, by yeah, the park. Not, not far at all. Um, literally, oh. I lived like there was a house, um, and then my house is like the second house from from Franklin. Cool. Um, on the south side of the boulevard, I guess. Yep. Um, yeah. And so you could just walk oh. walk down the boulevard, and at the end of it was 
was the that cafe and then the park started yeah i was just down there about a week Such ago a beautiful park it's a different too, it's a different they call it mio posto now it's a different vibe a little fancier the, oh yeah i think i um, might have been there once i don't know it's, but uh, that changed a bunch it changed a too. bunch and, and but it's i love that corner looking out at the park and yeah drinking a cup of coffee it's a nice vibe. i love that park too man yeah. like it's i grew up in that park it's yeah. like a magical experience. If you're ever in, if you're ever in Seattle, listeners, like go to Mount Baker Park and then walk through it, and then on the other side of it's the beautiful Lake Washington. Yeah, and in that path when it's like not the groomed park, but you're just going down to the lake exactly. and it's like past the tennis courts. Yep. I used to, yeah, like walking dogs, throwing frisbees, yep. all that stuff down there. Yep. I also I also used to like ride a skateboard down that. Down the Hell. path, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so fun, man, so fun, awesome, dope. Yep. Well, man, pleasure talking with you. Um, Likewise. Like I didn't know. I, th- I guess I knew that you were from Seattle at some point, but I didn't realize that you were from Garfield, and I definitely mm-hmm. didn't know that we're both grew up in yeah. Mount Baker. So that's pretty funny. Cool. Um, would you like to play some notes? Sure. Why not? Cool. Let's do it. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Riley Mulherker. Really cool guy. Um, there's a lot going on. Check him out at RileyMulherker.com. The links to that and the Westerlies will be on the show notes for this episode on BushwickVarietyShow.com. Thanks again to Aaron Walker Loud uh, for curating that show, the Big World Breaks Tag Team Episode 1 show at New Blue. 
Thank you, everybody who participated in that. Jamani Smith, Elizabeth Pupo Walker, Aaron Walker Loud, and thank you, Riley Moherker. Had a great time talking with you. Um, this episode and all the episodes are recorded in my studio in the Rack Shack in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Check it out. All-inclusive lingerie store. You can find me here every Monday and Thursday. Please subscribe, share, rate, review. But most importantly, do your thing. Connect with others doing what you want to do and take some kind of action. That's it for today. Thank you very much for listening. Maybe I'll see you Saturday, June 9th at Coney Island. If not, I'll see you around the town. Maybe Bushwick, maybe Manhattan, maybe Coney Island, maybe somewhere else in the world. Wherever it is and wherever you are, know that I'm rooting for you and have a good one. Mm -hmm.